Titan! You drank Ian. Adam. You drank Ian. You like you like purple, right? And Hello everyone, welcome. We, we, uh, we've been on a, me and Henry have been on a vision quest for two months. How long has it been? I don't know how long it's been. I don't know how long does it take to walk the length of the Andes. Uh, two months. That's how long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Two months. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Frames and Fools. It's been far too long. I have a beard. Henry has ear hair. Now, that's how what? long it's been. <laughs> uh, as if you didn't already know, I'm Dylan. I'm Henry. And this is the uh, Frames and Fools. We've got you know two longtime friends and long distance roommates. We talk about movies. Uh, seemingly whenever we want now. So, stay on your toes or your really, fingers. Yeah, descended into chaos in terms of our scheduling. Yeah, we've seen each other. That's the funny thing is we've seen each other in person since the last time we recorded. But it's been uh, that's true. Been a hot second because we have lives now. Uh, and I, yeah. I, as much as I love this podcast, I'd say I'm uh, doing quite a bit better now that I am able to see people in person. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, no longer your your lifeline to the yeah. world. I, there, yeah, doing these podcasts now, I've 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 found that uh, the podcasts that I did during the pandemic were my they were my social life. And that was it. That's all that I did. And we and we crushed it, Dylan. We, we did, did a great we did job. so well. We're continuing to do a great job. Uh, it's Halloween right now. It's not Halloween, but it's Halloween spooky season. Uh, what did we watch for our Halloween episode? So in keeping with, uh, you know, spooky season, we try to do uh, something spooky. Last year we did some really cheesy slasher movie. That was fun. That was very fun. Very fun. And this year we did Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. Yes, we did. Um, He would say it's not a zombie movie, but everyone else would very much call this a zombie movie. Say it's probably a zombie movie. Yeah, arguably the first <laughs> uh, fast zombie movie in the sense that, uh, you know, traditionally zombies are the slow horde, right? And that's like the scary part about it is it's this like creeping menace that you can't stop it. You can't run away from it forever. Um, it's the people you love and they're, you know, they're undead and the life is gone from their eyes. And it's, you know, yeah, a way to explore stories about humanity when society breaks down. But uh, this was one of the first uh, properties, at least on film, uh, that introduced the fast zombie, which sort of goes in a new fun okay. direction. Before we get into that, because I do really want to talk about that, uh, we get to do a little thing called movie moments on this podcast before we get started, which is, you know, uh, we tell you about a moment from our life that felt like a movie. Uh, and we've had two months and lives to actually yeah, you better have, have one. movie moments. So uh, would you like to share one, Henry, or would you like me to go sure. first? My, my movie moment is kind of a whole saga that I'll try to distill down to the best elements. But uh, what is it, two weeks ago now? I... Uh, I was at work and I was uh, texting you. Oops, 
at work. Uh-oh. And, uh oh. Hello. We're texting at work. And, and I was just asking how you were doing, and he said, "Good. I'm actually back in Santa Fe, and I, I wasn't aware you'd be there that early. Uh, you dropped in to Santa Fe, I think, a week earlier than, or a little bit earlier than, a film festival, which maybe that's a spoiler for your movie moment, but, no. um, you were kind of cooling your heels there and sort of taking it easy for a little bit, and sort of half jokingly suggested, "Hey, you should come on down," and in a very like i don't know spur of the moment sense i kind of went you know why not and a couple hours later i'd googled what i needed to google i'd covered the shifts i needed to get covered i'd checked all the boxes and it all worked out where then the next day i uh flew out to santa fe and spent a couple days with you um we went on hikes we ate good burritos we drank coffee i got a tattoo it Mm -hmm. was uh yeah very impulsive that's a hell of a movie moment yeah beautiful it was a good time time. got to see a lot of good people yeah it was a a fantastic time uh my movie moment is kind of like that uh it was a a part of this trip i I went on a a little two-week road trip at first i went to phoenix and went to a wedding with two dear friends and then uh, moved on to Santa Fe and, and uh, hung out there. But my movie moment is um, the Airbnb that I stayed at in Phoenix. <laughs> I stayed with a friend. Uh, shout out to Riley, if you're listening. I stayed with a friend and uh, – not with a friend, but we got an Airbnb together. And before I'd gone on the trip, I said, oh, you know, we'll get an Airbnb close to the, the venue that they're having the wedding. So I – you know, looked up where the wedding was and it's kind of the outskirts of Phoenix. So we got this Airbnb that said nice quaint, um, uh, vacation in the desert, uh, out in a desert oasis. Uh, and it said there's, you know, geese on the property or whatever. And I was like, Oh cool. Like there's animals. This'll be fun. Uh, so me and Riley get there, uh, and we quickly find out that it's about an hour drive on a dirt road out into the middle of Arizona desert in Phoenix. Uh, there's a big blue house that we see, uh, and we pull in, and they say to text us when we get there. So I, I text the number, and this Shocked man. Shocked reception. Well, I mean, we weren't like the thing is, is Phoenix is such a big, spread out city that you kind of mm. have reception everywhere, but it feels like you're in the middle of nowhere. That's uh, so nice. uh, eventually, I get there. I text the person. This man comes running out with this kind of crazy hair. <laughs> he's wearing cargo shorts uh, and his zippers down. You can kind of see the flap in his boxers and the little peephole where the the little pee hole that you you know. Uh, so me and Riley are just kind of like, oh, okay, this is odd. And the guy ushers us into the the room, which is kind of attached to the house. But the thing was is that the geese were in a corral right next to the front sliding door in which our room was. So if you left the room. There'd be a geese alarm, basically, about 10 geese just like, just like honking up a storm. So we put our shit down and then we leave uh, to go get food. And then on our way back, my anxiety just kicked into gear and started thinking of all the ways that I could have been murdered in this house. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm, <laughs> by this yeah. Cra- the, by this crazy guy, uh, and apparently his wife his wife kind of runs the the Airbnb, but she wasn't there. She was working or something. So me and Riley were just uh, theorizing about the maybe the wife doesn't exist, and we've got like a you know some crazy serial killer or whatever. Anyway, that's that's the movie moment that was running through my head. Long story short, everything was fine. The man was really nice. The family was very, you know, everything was fine. We didn't die. We didn't get murdered. Things were I thought cool. there was there was some traumatic some traumatic anecdote at some point during your stay. Like you like came back at night and there was something crazy that happened or Um there was a night. door. The thing that kicked off my anxiety is there was a door that led that would attaches to the house, you know. So there was a door and the guy said uh, there's a room there, and that's there's a room that separates you from the house. That's usually where my family, or like my mom stays. And Riley jokingly said, "Oh, maybe you know we've got like a what? The, or maybe we got a psycho situation or whatever." Where I was like, gonna Dead say, a "Mom psycho is situation. in there or whatever." And I was just like, the moment he said that, I was like, "You need to shut up right now," because I, the, I, yeah. I, I had an anxiety attack on the way back because I was like, "We're gonna get murdered." We're going to get murdered, without a doubt. Um, there was no Wi-Fi, which was also creepy. And then there was, a, like, an antenna TV that had five channels. So <laughs> we ended up watching some fucking movie with the whole Douglas family. Kirk Douglas, uh, Wait. Uh, Michael Douglas, uh, Yeah, like, he plays wife. his dad and everything, and, like... His dad, no, well, yeah, Kirk Douglas plays Michael Douglas's dad, and then the wife is in it, and the Douglas son is in it also. No, it's I didn't insane. know that part of it. I, I knew there was a movie. The poster is one of the worst movie it's posters I've ever seen in my life. They're I can't sitting remember. in a fishing boat. It's, yes, it's thank all the you. Douglases sitting in a fishing yes. boat, and it's one of the worst movies I've seen. And on my letterbox, it said, if you look at like the stats on the letterbox, it says, like, uh, uh, most popular, and then there's one that's like most obscure. And now my most obscure is like it runs in the family. That's what it's called. My most obscure is it runs in the family with the the whole Douglas family that's so because wild. of this Airbnb. Anyway, long, long, very long story. But now we get to watch uh, uh, a zombie movie that was directed by my Danny Boyle, uh, written by Alex Gard Gard. Garland, who did uh, Ex Machina and and Annihilation and Devs yeah. and all that sort of stuff, starring Cillian. That's how you say his name, right? Killian. Killian? It's Killian. It's not with a C. Killian Murphy, Naomi Harris, and uh, Doctor Number One, Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> not Doctor Number One. He's like the reboot Doctor. Yeah. Uh, um, as well as Brendan um, Gleeson oh, doing his best. Uh, what is great. it? London, Manchester accent. I have no idea. He's great. I, he's I, always I know delightful. About those, uh... I got so excited when I saw him in the cast list. Me too. And I didn't even see him in the cast list. He just, I was watching the movie and he popped up, and I was like, "You're a delight." In every yeah. other movie, that's. I mean, he's good in Harry Potter, but in every other movie, he's just more delightful. Yeah. Anytime he, he's allowed to be, you know, his smiling self. I think that's the funny thing is. Most uh, most people's entry point to Brendan Gleeson, at least in our age group, is probably Harry Potter, where he never smiles and is just really intense. And then in everything else, he's the sweetest man. The sweet old man. Yeah, he's really nice. He's also going to be in uh, the the uh, tragedy of Macbeth, oh. too, which would be cool. That looks really good. He plays King Duncan. 
King Duncan. That's actually perfect. He's he's the right age for playing like the old king and things. He's a King Duncan man. Yeah. So okay. yeah, uh, like you said, written by Alex Garland, uh, ended up directing Ex Machina and Annihilation. Um, he collaborated with Danny Boyle previously because Danny Boyle adapted his novel The Beach uh, for a movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio, which didn't do too well. But um, he credited the video game Resident Evil for revitalizing zombies in pop culture, and I think it really did influence the... I haven't played Resident Evil, but I'm assuming they have fast zombies in it. Otherwise, it's probably a pretty I've boring played... game. Okay, so wait. This is this is the f- the first movie with fast zombies? Apparently. I, really? I did, I did my very, very shallow research on the internet, and from what I could tell, this is... This is credited as being like the the biggest, no, most noteworthy example of fast zombies sort of being a new wrinkle in the genre. Well, I googled something, and oh. uh, I, I'm getting this. This is the answer that I'm getting. Uh, <laughs> what was the first movie uh, to feature fast moving zombies? Answer: Nightmare City from 1980, directed by Umberto Lenzi. Lenzi. Is the earliest fast zombie I can think of. I don't know who this guy is that is responding to this. Um, well, shit. Yeah, it's maybe okay. the uh, the first fast zombie movie people remember. Um, <laughs> but it really it really does sort of change up the uh, the vibe a little bit, changes the story, and like I sort of hinted at, Danny Boyle um, goes hard in terms of being like, this is not a zombie movie. They're infected humans. They're not undead. Um, they have rage. They're and it's, infected uh, humans, yeah. A very, yeah, a very thinly veiled metaphor for uh, humanity's proclivity towards rage and, uh, mm. and anger. And, uh, you know, sort of losing control in this collective sense. Um, so, the, yeah, they were making this in, you know, 2000, 2001, and yeah, if you think back to that time, there was a lot of uh, various things, uh, including 9/11, which um, the scene where they are in that like ruins with the green, all the green grass, and it's a very happy, joyous scene. Apparently, they shot that on 9/11. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> Jesus! And, and it was a it was a heavy, heavy day on set, but wild. But that's sort of like the the era that this came out in. Um, Mm. And it actually sort of, you know, some people drew some parallels to when he's wandering around London in the beginning. There's those huge boards where people have sort of tacked all these notes and different things to their mm-hmm. loved ones. Um, was eerily similar to, you know, images that you'd soon see in the news around the time this movie came out, which is uh, kind of just one of those weird things. About nine eleven. No, so you know he goes up to the yeah, like in no, in yeah. New York, there are oh, a bunch of like missing okay. people and like uh, yeah. people trying to get word out and trying to oh, you know, that whole thing. So yeah, it, so the parallels were just kind of unintentional, but kind of shocking. It's kind of weird watching a like a movie about zombies or a pandemic or whatever after living through a pandemic. Yeah, uh, yeah, because this is obviously more extreme, but it didn't feel as extreme as like like I feel like before. The, everything happened i was you'd watch these and be like crazy this is nuts how totally wild and watching it now there's this part of me it's like yeah 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 okay yeah <laughs> it's is, it's a little it's bit right. i was thinking <laughs> i really hope no one was making like uh 
a downer society and ruins movie right as the pandemic hit because they can't release that now like yeah, it's going to be a long time <laughs> before people are going to have like a, a taste for movies where it's like and then everything went dark well like, actually to really more what i was saying is this didn't bother me as much i may i think i'm now i'm just descent like because i've seen the streets empty not to this extent obviously sure sure it doesn't like freak me out anymore like i've, yeah. I've walked through it's, empty uh, downtown la layer and just been like of, yeah uh, yeah. yeah, a new layer of surreal that I think gets added to it. I mean, I think yeah. it's a good a good uh, segue into talking about that sort of iconic, it's not the opening scene, but I guess after that prologue where they sort of show you how the virus gets out, that how'd, opening London scene. How would they do it, Henry? Tell us how they did it. Well, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you got the sense that I knew. Um, it's, it's really interesting. So, um, I mean, on a practical level, it was... Um, you know, they were shooting on DV video cameras. So mm-hmm. like basically prosumer camcorders, um, which is why it has that sort of low res look, but that meant that their setups were incredibly fast. So they don't have, you know, a ton of the sophisticated film equipment that you normally have to set up to get a shot, which meant they could shoot very, very quickly set up and get out super quick. So yeah. They got some of those iconic shots where if you've ever been to London and you see some of the areas that they got shots of no people in, it's mind-boggling. Like, those are, you know, it's like that square in Tokyo with the mm-hmm. massive crosswalk. Just imagining it with no people whatsoever is, yeah, it's pretty Did striking Did they shut imagery. down the streets and stuff? They only had like yes. an hour or something? Exactly. So, it was kind of a combo of a few different things. It was picking like the lowest point so like right at dawn right as the sun comes up when you know traffic's the lowest blocking off the streets and they basically had like one hour to get the shots they wanted Mm -hmm. um for some of the shots of highways they would have cops slow down traffic just long enough for them to get a shot Mm -hmm. and then Um, let it go and then let it go yeah that's and (laughs) there's one anecdote that uh danny boyle in an attempt to uh sort of assuage the uh the rage of the commuters hired a bunch of beautiful women to be at the different like <laughs> blockade checkpoints where you're diverting traffic to like ease people and apparently it worked like a charm Genius. where they're like Genius. hey sorry you can't go this way you got to go around and everyone was like okay that's okay, fine, okay, no that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> yeah which i think is uh, kind of clever but um <laughs> i think the shots are Super impressive for two reasons. I think um, in the early 2000s, I mean, obviously, this came out the same year as either Two Towers or Return of the King, one of them, right? So we had good special effects at this point to some degree. But on a movie this low budget, especially looking the way it does with the DV, I think it's a combination of the actual look of the movie Mm -hmm. and the time it came out makes those opening scenes pretty fucking impressive because it's... I yeah. I was thinking the whole time like how on earth did they manage to get these shots you know um, yeah and he's Danny Boyle so at that point he was pretty well known but for a what movie he... with an eight million dollar budget that's still impressive um, what did he do, had done before this he done Train Spotting in 1996 oh. which yeah which did really well and then his next two movies didn't do so well so he kind of returned back to his sort of grungier roots um, and tried oh. to go super low budget to I see. Sort of have those creative restraints. I but, see um, now. But yeah, the, wow. yeah, that isolation and the sort of like 
somewhat unrealistic, like given the nature of this infection and like the very, very bloody way that it spreads. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit unbelievable to see like the completely empty hospital, the completely empty streets. Um, well, didn't they just evacuate everything before it got crazy? Wasn't that the... Yeah, the but, like, there's still bound to be... I don't know. It was one of those things where it was definitely, like, a choice, and I think it was very strong visually. And then it also mm-hmm. made that uh, that reveal shot. They go into the church, or he... Killian Murphy goes into the church and is, like, hospital smock. With and all the dead people. Yeah, he's up in, like, the choir balcony, looks down, and it's the first time you see just a sea of dead people. Yeah. And then, like an idiot... He goes, hello? hello, and like two people like pop their heads up, and it's so weird and so scary. And then wow. that fucking priest comes out. He he and... wouldn't have known, you know. No, he I know, up. I know. <laughs> uh, but that priest was a great intro to like the sort of mannerisms of the infected people. Mm-hmm. He sort of bursts through those doors, and he's doing that like jerking thing and like stumbling towards them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And in that moment, because he doesn't. Killian's kind of frozen in place, and I was like, "How does he survive the whole movie? Because he's about to die." Uh, he's a fast runner. Uh, he has some good survival skills. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, no, he really takes to it. I feel like, especially as the movie does more interesting visual things and sort of makes creative choices, mm-hmm. it it pulled me farther and farther from that sort of watching a zombie movie mentality where you're sort of picking apart the practical side. I don't um, even think about it. <laughs> you know, I I try not to because yeah. it, it's not a fun way to watch a movie. Yeah, like I was no, watching I, it with I some folks, and we, and we were having fun, sort of picking it apart. Where we're like, "That's a pretty clean hospital, considering there was like a you know zombie outbreak." You fuck. Like, there's not a single body, but and it was fun. <laughs> but at a certain point, know. you know, you let it go because it's like, well, whatever. I can just enjoy I can film. nitpick every aspect of this, or yeah. I can just uh, kind of let it take me for a ride and. You can really say something about humanity. Wash over you. Did well, the um, mm-hmm. did the DV like video? How, what did that do for you? Um, I, I think it gave it. I don't know. It didn't bother me really. I didn't really. Uh, I didn't hate it. Um, I kind of liked it. I it, it added a nice uh, kind of grounding sense to things, but it this the the film was still very cinematic, so it didn't like. I don't know. It doesn't bother me anymore. I, I think maybe five years ago, I I wouldn't have mm. liked it. But uh, I think these days I'm just much more accepting of any format as long as th- the film is good and it yeah, the film the is good. There. Yeah. So like the visuals, I the visuals are cool and there's a lot of really cool like shots and 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 shit like that. But the fact that it was shot on DV didn't bother me at all. Because it's just think, a, a limitation, a digital limitation. Sure, it's yeah. Fine. Yeah. I think not knowing anything going into it, at mm-hmm. first I was like, holy shit, how cheap was it? Like, And I forgot that train spotting existed. And I was like, was this Danny Boyle's like, first thing? So I had a lot of yeah. questions like that. Yeah. Um, And there's a few shots, I think, especially like by candlelight, uh-huh. where the weakness of the medium really comes into play. Like, do you remember watching Blackadder, the BBC TV show? I don't. And, I, I know of it. I've seen a few episodes, but I don't really. know. Okay, it. so there's there's this thing that happens with the cameras they were using at the time and the videotape, where if there's any camera movement or if someone was holding like a candle, especially, mm-hmm. there'd be these streaks and there'd be this distortion and this like weird sort of smooth thing happening. And there was mm-hmm. one scene where Naomi Harris would she was like 
sort of nodding her head while she was talking and it was really freaky. Oh, but really? um yeah. Dang. Um but I think largely I I dug it cuz you you get what they're going for and especially at the end when spoiler alert they uh they cut to he wakes up again just like in the beginning and it cuts to like 35 millimeter and it's super crisp and you're like oh is that, that means... what that was yeah yeah so oh, okay. then it's like oh that means that the dv was a choice like the quality before was intentional and it that really made was that it last feel scene good. 35 i thought there was just more light <laughs> no it, it was 35 like they uh, okay. intentionally switch over to film sort of as like a it's this hopeful tone and it's you know they've hmm. they've kind of made it and they're happy and they like the plane finds them and it's it's all sort of wrapped up in that um well, yeah because you've it's also you've spent the whole movie staring at these people in like this grainy thing and everyone's also all dirty and like yeah, sweaty grimy. and bloody and stuff and then the last scene they're like clean and they're in like laundered everyone's clothes nice. and they're like yeah. shot super crisp you're like holy shit yeah it pours yeah but um oh that's right i didn't know that i think the one thing i could have done without was the audio the audio that they captured throughout the movie or the or the way they edited it Uh really ground my gears um there's a couple scenes it's just a couple scenes where the levels just spike in this way that does not feel good um with the zombies ironically no not even those moments i mean it usually happens when it goes from like the quiet scenes to the action but Uh um there's a scene in the estate tower, that like apartment building, and Naomi Harris says, Quiet. And it's that the loudest thing in the movie. That is the only so thing that I weird. noticed. That was, of all the things that are like, this is not realistic, that was the only one where I was like, Well, she was really loud, but whatever. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I think that first half when they're in London, there's a few scenes that I don't know. It it just was a bit uneven and it kind of in combination with the video quality kind of shook me a bit, mm-hmm. but it, it happens less and less towards the end. So by the end of it, I'm like, nah, this is, this is good. This is good. It's got a killer soundtrack. I think some yeah. of the choices they made were really cool. Like the different, I don't know if it's like opera or classical, but they kind of just, they're bangers. I mean, it's, they're ba- you know, <laughs> they're bangers. There's good um, ones, you know, and there's that song that plays when they're uh, shopping in the supermarket that somehow that still has one. full power. It's a super fun scene. It felt yeah. very... I don't know if you've seen Train Spotting, but... No, I haven't. Danny Boyle kind of has this... If Guy Ritchie made, like, happy films instead of gangster films, he's got uh-huh. that sort of grimy British, like, 90s, like, cut, 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 and, like, wild shit happening. Fun vibes. Good vibes Fun all vibes, around. yeah. Which so I'm I assuming think... you enjoyed this quite a bit. Because you're not I a, like a horror. Do you like zombies? Are you a zombie zombies, person? Zombies are kind of totally fine. I don't know why. When did you like them? We've... Not not like does it scare you, but like are you do you enjoy zombie movies? I think mm, I do. Uh-huh. I think the 2010s burnt out me and a lot of people on zombies in general. I think. Why? Uh, I mean, do you remember that? Like, in the 2010s, how we just had so many different, like, Walking Dead, Zombieland, all these different like things sort of yeah. come out and just saturate. And, like, the internet was very into zombies for a while. Like, zombie they? apalypse stuff. Yeah, Whoa. dude. Like, I, I only just remember watching, like, three episodes. Shaun of the Dead. Oh, I guess Shaun of the Dead, yeah. I guess that was, I guess, yeah. I only remember watching, like, uh, 
three seasons of The Walking Dead and I guess Zombieland. I'm not a huge into zombies. I don't know. They're fun. Yeah, and it was but, it's all good yeah. stuff. I think that's the thing, but I think the story is sort of it was tricky watching this because it's one of those things where anytime we go back and watch something that's, you know, 20, 20 plus or getting close to 20 years old, mm-hmm. things feel cliche sometimes. And it's hard to tell and hard to research if it was the first time someone did that mm-hmm. and everyone else copied it or if it's riffing on cliches and tropes and different things like that. Like, And as Either. you're watching a zombie movie, I think I've, I have way too many expectations for what might happen. Mm-hmm. And that sort of gets in the way of me just watching the fucking movie were there cliches and did you see cliches in this that yeah i mean i'd I'd say tropes to make it sound less uh Mm -hmm. like accusatory maybe like i i think you know i think it was well written i think it was cool but i mean for sure like that opening scene where he wakes up from the coma Mm -hmm. i mean walking dead directly ripped that for their first episode Rick, yeah, there was know, some stuff gets knocked that, out and wakes up, and the world has changed. And there is some stuff in here that I could see, like uh, other movies had taken inspiration mm-hmm. from or nods from. Like the one that popped out to me, like oh, so directly, oddly enough, was um, all the Pepsi cans. And there's that scene in in World War Z where Brad Pitt goes to the, like the that Pepsi machine. I don't know if you remember this, but he goes to this no. Pepsi machine and there's like blue and red light. It looks like a Pepsi commercial, but he like, you know, kicks a, a Pepsi out of the machine. And I could not think about that. And I, a part of me thinks it, it might be a little reference because there's so many Pepsi cans in this. There it's, are. Yeah. We, we thought it might be sponsored. We were watching it at first. We were like, did they like kick them it a little money? It might be product placement. Yeah. It, I thought maybe it's product placement, but there's another part of me that's like, I don't know. Maybe that's just I don't, that yeah. was the thing that they had. <laughs> um, but it's the kind of thing where you know um, they—it's more of a post-apocalyptic movie tropes thing, where like you they meet people and you think, oh god, are they going to be some sort of weird cannibals or like there's all these different storylines that you've seen that yeah. could so easily plug into it mm-hmm. that you're you're kind of holding all these like choose your own adventure options in your hand like all right which one's it gonna be yeah and i like that this one didn't play into a lot of that like they meet brendan gleason and his daughter and they were just nice people and i really fucking dug that like i was really happy because it it let them do a thing that i think i've only seen in something like Zombieland, which had a touch of comedy to it Uh and this is not a comedy but there are joyful scenes spread throughout this. Like it's not miserable the whole time, which is I think really important with something as much of a downer as this. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. My like favorite even scenes that should be full of dread, like the tunnel, they go into that stupid, like they, <laughs> they drive into a dark tunnel. That's obviously going to be choked with cars and they drive over the pile and it's like really fun for a second. <laughs> it's really goofy. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of cool. And seeing yeah. Naomi Harris is like, you know, her character, like she goes from like super brutal and like, we just have to stay alive. There's no joy anymore. And by the end, like not even by the end, like, Pretty early on, she's giggling and like having yeah. a good time. And I, I thought about that nice. scene. I thought about that scene too, where they're like jumping and and uh, Brendan Gleeson's the only one that's like giggling, and then everybody starts to laugh. And I was like, I think if I was in that situation, you'd have to kind of because like you're kind of just on a roller coaster. Like, and yeah. once you get that in that crazy of a situation where you're just like 
jumping and jostling all around the car. You, yeah. you just kind of have to start giggling. I, I don't think there's any other, like, how do you stay serious in that moment? Like, what, yeah. are you just going to, like, hold on and just, like, scream? Yeah, like, or even, you know, the the zombies hear them and they're running towards them. They've already seen the rats and, like, they're, that they're was frantically trying to get the wheel on. And it's an amazing, tense action scene. And, like, the split second they start driving away... They do what anyone would do in that situation, which is like, yeah, Bitches, <laughs> fuck, fuck you, you. woohoo, yeah. and just like yeah. cheering because they made it. Like that's that mm-hmm. is how you would react, sort of like bodily to this thing. It's just like, cool, not to. dead. Thank God, thank God. Uh, um, my favorite part of the whole movie, I liked it a lot. I, mm-hmm. I don't. It didn't like. I, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't. Maybe I'm just not like a super zombie person. I thought it was fun and it was good, and it actually felt very. It didn't feel as tropey. Like it felt fresh. Mm-hmm. Still, everything yeah. about it was was super fresh. My favorite part though is is when uh, they finally get to that blockade and and Brandon Gleason like hits that thing and that <laughs> the drop of blood falls in his eye. Oh god! I thought that was the most like emotionally resonant part for yeah. me because he had just gotten there. And done it, and, and especially once the like military guys show up at like right after he gets infected, uh-huh. I thought that was really, really, um, uh, very, very effective uh, for making me feel like shit. And yeah, <laughs> I just wanted like all the main characters to just yell at these at these people, being like, "What the fuck were you waiting for? Were you just yeah. like sitting there waiting for us to do something? Now this this girl's dad is dead." You fucking psychopaths. So even even the way that they sort of set this up where from the very first scene, you know, it's don't get bitten, don't get the blood in your mouth or in your eyes. Uh-huh. And it's it's kind of funny how I almost every single scene where there was violence or blood or anything, I was just shocked Stense. that for how much blood goes everywhere, nobody gets sick. Like Mark gets bitten early on. Yeah. And then uh, Selena does the thing that you're supposed to do like she does the smart thing and just immediately kills him as yeah, is the plan. Up. Yeah. And it's shocking to see it. Cause we're so used to seeing like, I can't do it, you but she do just it, yeah. does it. Yeah. Um, so that sets a tone immediately. But the fact that, you know, they get in these close calls and they somehow don't get a drop of anything anywhere. Yeah. So then to finally have that happen to a character in the most mundane, just like, of course yeah. it's going to happen like that kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it crushing now i feel like maybe not everyone but i i feel not like an expert on infectious diseases but there is a part of me that's like after going through continuing to go through this pandemic like not touching your eyes knowing how things spread and like how you get sick it's another layer of awareness yeah watching these movies is so much easier to watch because you're like yeah, it got in his eye. That's how diseases spread through the eyes and like all yeah. of your holes and stuff. So when that happened, I don't know why I was just like, yeah, that's how it was like. I was almost like, cool, that's how diseases are spread. That's it. The eyes. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I mean, to his credit, like Alex Garland was super inspired by, um, I can't remember which fucking uh, epidemics or pandemics had come out at that point, but like Ebola, uh-huh. um, what was the other one? SARS, maybe. SARS, but, yeah. He was he was pulling from real life with a lot of that stuff in a mm-hmm. way that does sort of ground this where it's like oh my god yeah um 
That is yeah. so wild to me. It's just wild to me that other countries, I mean, not, other countries have been through this before, mm-hmm. uh, and now it's just kind of spread to the whole world. Like, yeah. in a lot of Asian countries, this is not like anything. I mean, it's unlike anything we've seen before, but just having some sort of epidemic or anything like that is like mm-hmm. not as foreign as it is to us, or to me at least. Yeah, it's, it's a bit more of a, a fact of life that's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is now our new world, how we live. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, that's that latter half of the movie. How do you how'd you feel about that? So they did. They get to that blockade. It's kind of that midpoint. We lose Brendan Gleeson. Oh, with it's all the the psycho. Such white a bummer. Dudes, or the psycho dudes. Yeah, and yeah. they get picked up by the soldiers. And yeah. I don't know about you. Maybe this was also that that instinct of like this is going to be weird and creepy and like it's going to dawn on them in this horrifying way somehow and i don't know what it is Uh um but they really throw you off at first where you show up and like the the major is really nice to his men there's that like chef cook guy who like that that is job but he's wearing like the apron and the dress and everyone's kind of giving him a hard time and at first they really sort of push really hard that these guys are like friendly yeah and you don't want to trust it i don't think i ever fully did uh-huh but damn they did a good job of making me sort of sort of be at ease where i was yeah. like shit and then they show you like that that chained up uh infected and at first i thought oh god are they gonna like i had all these ideas <laughs> like, all these was... things popping in my head yeah it's like my... oh god because <laughs> especially with the walking dead i think maybe that's it is it's not even so much the amount of movies that have come out it's a show that's now on its what like 10th 11th season or something, season yeah. or something and there's yeah. spinoffs like they've really really mined this territory for or uh material yeah. so at this I... point we really have seen or heard a lot of these different ways that these situations go my mind was pretty blank i was just kind of along for the ride maybe it's Good just i'm you, tired and like <laughs> i was just like cool man like I didn't think that they were all good, but the moment I started to realize something is off is that like dinner scene right at the beginning and all mm. the guys are just like kind of bro and weird. And you're like, Oh, this is yeah. kind of weird. Something's well, weird and, about this. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it specifically having, it's so minute, but specifically having like the cook in that dress, uh-huh. it, it was like such a counterpoint to the usual, like, Oh, this is sketchy. It's a whole bunch of like bro dudes in uniform being yeah. kind of like broy dudes in uniform you know mm-hmm. yeah and it it really did effectively sort of push back against that where i was like maybe maybe they're fine <laughs> who knows <laughs> maybe oh maybe god and fine. then it and it turns that left corner so hard and i got so uncomfortable yeah it was pretty stressful it was very um, stressful i was a little like and i don't i don't totally blame this because this is kind of it's from 2002 so I was a little bummed that uh, Naomi Watts' character kind of just became a damsel in distress. And it was Naomi cool Harris. that... Sorry, Naomi Harris, not Naomi Watts. Um, Naomi Harris' character kind of became a damsel in distress. It was cool watching Killian Murphy just, like, be this, like, crazy dude with a cool Yeah, just, plan. like, Rambo, amateur <laughs> Rambo. That um, was cool, but I was kind of... it. I don't judge it for that, but it it, mm-hmm. it was kind of a bummer. I was like, she was like a really cool character, and then she kind of yeah. just got 
she got softened, softened, which was a nice character change. Like I thought that arc was nice, mm-hmm. but it seems like all of her murdering skills kind of just got lost when she got captured by those dudes. Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of a bummer because up until that point, I think she was the favorite with the group that I was watching. Again, I was like, she's badass. This is great. Um, you love to see it, except except for like some of the stuff that felt kind of rushed and put in there, and you can brush away by saying oh it's you know the post-apocalypse and you don't meet that many people but like the the romance between her and jim that sort of comes and goes and by the end they're like kind of a family whatever yeah um but you're right she starts off really brutal and really capable and by the end they've literally put her in a dress and she's getting dragged around by the bad guy thinking about it like if i'm thinking about their arcs it is kind of a cool arc to have where you have Mm-hmm. She's the capable one at the beginning, and he's just the damn, the, just the guy being strung, like being saved all the time. The dude so in then, distress. Yeah, the dude in distress that's getting saved all the time, and then throughout the whole story, he becomes a very capable zombie person. So it is kind of cool to see him save her in the end because she's mm-hmm. saved his ass so many times. So when you think about it that way, just as like people, it is kind of a cool arc. But if you totally, yeah, yeah. If you think about yeah, it the it's, other way, it's, it's layered. It's it's kind of the yeah. thing where if it if the characters were different, maybe it would feel more satisfying. But it, it does sort of unfortunately fall into that where it's like, oh, by the end of the movie, you know, yeah, she's literally in a ball gown getting dragged around. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, not all saying it's all, bad. It's quite good. Yeah, they exactly. Do it really all well. in all, like <laughs> very, uh, very inventive, and I think uh, did put me kind of in a weird mood. I think. Uh, Oh, did it? I think another, yeah, maybe. I think another reason I burnt out on zombie stuff and just post-apocalyptic stuff in general, with the noted exception of something like Mad Max, um, Fury Road specifically, mm-hmm. um, it just, you know. It's pretty I'm already, stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm already anxious <laughs> enough and I already, you know, think about the future in a pessimistic way enough that I don't really need the fuel. I don't need to sit for two hours in a vividly realized version of that future yeah so especially the I way think, it's shot is very yeah uh, so i think it just uh <laughs> yeah I, I think it's nothing against the movie i think it's it truly is sort of i just kind of burnt out on the post-apocalyptic stuff a long time ago and i'd rather see sort of visions of the future that sort of see something else you know rather yeah. than this total collapse and this sort of like Guess what happens when, like, you introduce one drop of chaos into the human race? Like, yeah. They, um, that makes me think of, uh, did you ever watch Tomorrowland? Tomorrowland. The Is one with George the... Clooney. It's based on, the, the like, the land. Like I Disneyland. meant to. It's I, a Disney movie. I, I remember we saw the trailer, because the trailer came out when we were in college, right? And yeah, it was, it's it's not great. It was kind of slick looking. It was directed by Brad Bird. Like it, yeah, it looked it, intriguing. It's not great, but there is like a nice little like. It, it's weird because like the whole premise of that movie is like the world is what, uh, how we project things, like how we want it to be. So like, if we make a bunch of post-apocalyptic movies, humanity is more likely to like. Uh, veer in that direction basically like that's kind of the whole premise is what we put out into the world is going to be like eventually where we go um so which i 
seems like a bit of an out and kind of bullshit, but there is something to be said, I think, about like making positive visions of the future, which we rarely sure. see ever. Like, and I think that's why I've, I've yeah. gravitated towards that because I'm like, you know what would be rad? Or even something like fantasy, um, and I'm not the first person to say this, but like, you know, there will be a significant property like Game of Thrones in a mm-hmm. genre that sort of sets that tone and mm-hmm. then people want that success. And unfortunately, a lot of times it is motivated by money. Yeah. So they'll try to make something. And the unfortunate thing is Game of Thrones, for as good as it is, is essentially just like, hey, what if medieval Europe was just bigger and there was just a ton of sexual assault and women were treated poorly? You know what I mean? Like yeah. for as good as it is, it's kind of horrifying a lot of aspects. And then mm. fantasy kind of became that. And it's to the point where I'm like, hey, guys, this is all made up. Like, we could easily imagine something a bit more uplifting and not in, like, this bland, moralizing way. But, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just nice when there's something different. For yeah. example, Mad Max Fury Road comes along and it's post-apocalyptic. But it also was kind of this Trojan horse of all this really positive shit and, like, mm. really empowering imagery and, you know in the end, a very hopeful storyline. And I was, I think that's why that was so affecting was cause it was like, cool. You can, you can do this and still kind of go somewhere yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of many movies that have positive visions of the future. Um, yeah. it's all pretty bleak stuff. Always There's bound to be some sci-fi or something. I don't know. I also just watched Blade Runner 2049, so that yeah, was that's uh, a pretty bleak <laughs> one also. Another grimy one. Yeah. Um, I, like, I can't... I'm trying to think of things that are like, oh, in the future, everything's perfect. But that just... Yeah. Well, that's actually... Uh, Star Trek is that... It's the only science fiction that I can think about that's like, the future yeah. isn't a shithole. We, we mm-hmm. actually did it, and things are way better than they ever yeah. have been. And I literally, I can't think of literally any other science fiction that does that. They're all cautionary tales about yeah, uh, capitalism or technology tongue. or like anything that is positive. I was, um, so I've been listening through, and unfortunately I think I burned through the whole catalog, but I've been listening through the Beyond the Screenplay podcast. Uh-huh. And um, gosh, I can't remember which movie it was, but they were talking about the sci-fi genre and mm-hmm. how it serves so often as a cautionary tale that it's really nice when you just get to watch something and it's, it's just not like they, they use it for different means, but Mm -hmm. you know, so often it is like you're saying, you used to sort of explore like, what if we went too far with Mad Libs? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of sucks. Like I have this conversation a lot with, with some friends and it's always like, like are getting misconstrued or like, people loving Blade Runner because it's cool and like, Mm -hmm. or people loving like uh, that uh, cyberpunk game that came out because it's cool. And that's how you get like the Elon Musk's of the world where you're like, you don't really get it. Like you just think the aesthetic's cool, Mm. but you don't really understand what the, what it is. Like you just think it's cool. And when I think, you know, and it's well and good when it is, it's like so many things. It's, it's all well and good when it's, in that box when it's like, I really like this aesthetic, you know, like I can admit to liking yeah. how these different things look, but then you're right. There is a larger conversation when someone does have billions of dollars and a lot of influence and they kind of do things because it's cool. All of a sudden it's like, Oh shit. Yeah, and then they kind of model that. And it, 
and it becomes you know it kind of it spreads in that sense where yeah. it, i don't know it's frustrating it's yeah. very frustrating well that's I love what this <laughs> this like hop skipping we're just like kind of mildly complaining about <laughs> these different <laughs> things and and genres and people but well, that's what movies are for, to start a conversation, you know. And it's also kind of the mood that I think these post-apocalyptic movies put you in, which is like wrestling with the future that might be and what you wish it would be. And then... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been exhausting. A weird, it's been a weird few hours since I've watched this that I'm like, oh. Yeah, I've just been... I watched like three horror movies yesterday, so I'm just like already in the zone. So maybe it didn't bother me as much as it could have because i was just i'm already yeah, human i was gonna ask you so i don't watch that many horror movies and mm. I, this kind of it's a horror movie you know it, yeah. it's in that very large basket uh-huh. um and maybe it's because i'm not as um used to them mm-hmm. or exposed to them as much that i think they do tend to affect me a bit more i think stuff like this especially where it's saying things about society at large um mm-hmm. how do you how do you just to sort of shift it over into a general conversation about horror? How do you handle like the way horror makes you feel or like, how does it affect the way you feel or, or like, does it keep you up at night or do you like get kind of woogity around the house? Like, Ooh, it's all spooky and dark. Well, hmm. let me start here. It, there's definitely stuff that freaks me out. Um, that disturbs me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and there's definitely stuff that feeds my anxiety subconsciously. Um, but I think like, I didn't really dive too much into horror before about five years ago. Like I, I had watched horror movies in college and I started to get more into them. Um, and then my life kind of, it didn't become a horror movie, but it kind of became a bit of a nightmare for a few years. And so now when I watch horror movies, it's kind of, uh, it doesn't, nothing, I mean, things affect me, obviously, but I don't know. I'm I'm a little numb to stuff these days, unless it, like, like a really good horror movie will uh, affect me pretty, pretty intensely. I think there's some stuff in this that's definitely a little, that's kind of freaky. Uh, the zombies are f- pretty freaky. Um, but I think I just know that none of this stuff is, like, I I don't know. I've been able to separate myself from like uh real life shit that's bad because real life shit is like t- a thousand times worse than any of this could ever be. Which so to I butt think, in just for yeah. a second, I think this movie weaponizes that where that back half of the movie it gives you those human villains. It gives you like mm-hmm. humanity and human nature where you have this group of soldiers and this like sadistic captain is like, yeah, I will, I will find you women in this yeah. like very sort of brutal primitive mm-hmm. way. That's just like, Oh, that's scary. And they're the ones yeah. with the guns. I think um, like to answer your question, I think the way that I deal with uh, things that are scary in, in horror movies, I think I've just learned to watch horror movies in a different way than I used to where it used to be like, Oh, this is real or this could actually happen or like, I'm scared of falling asleep and Freddy Krueger killing me. And I think the way that I watch them more now is looking for 
the metaphor in the horror movies mm-hmm. and looking for the reason why somebody told a zombie movie or somebody tells a vampire movie or as sure. you're saying this is about humanity so when i watch things that everyone are, is like this is super fucked up i'm just more looking at like what the story is really trying to say it's like yeah. i watched uh raw finally um the film i can't remember julia how'd it go Ducor. <laughs> It's pretty gnarly. Like it, it's honestly to me a lot more disturbing and more gnarly than Titan. Uh, yeah, and I, I get that vibe. Like I feel that crackle coming off that movie. Maybe it's because yeah, I know yeah. cannibal stuff freaks me out. But yeah, like, the cannibal stuff is weird, but like it's really good because it's. It, I don't. It's not. A, it's not totally about. Once you start looking at like mm-hmm. it as like a. a story and a vehicle to talking about other things then you can kind of like you can get sucked in but you can like be reassured that it's not about actual cannibals or like the the raw is like is about it's again it's about humanity and like her idea was to like every cannibal movie that she had seen they always talk about cannibals as this thing this monster this like not real person and she was Mm -hmm. she said like well these are people these are things that are real and these are human beings not monsters so like treating like making a movie and treating cannibals as people is a much more like interesting angle so yeah i don't know even even titane like had that you know and i think you've taught me a lot you're, you're kind of the reason i've gotten into horrors because i saw how much you got out of the genre and i stopped thinking about it like you said in that sense of like oh it's just a box of scares or it's just meant to fuck you up yeah and you you talked about how you know even culturally it's been used for so long where it's already in that sort of forbidden fruit unrated category that yeah. they could explore things you couldn't explore anywhere else because everywhere else there's rules and scrutiny. Yeah. But the second you have someone's head get chopped off or you have naked people running around and it's, it's like bad. You yeah. can you can do whatever you want though. It's like yeah. weirdly freeing to go to those dark places. And then mm-hmm. they end up being these very raw stories. <laughs> yeah. Um where, mm-hmm. you know, you can <laughs> explore those things and, you know, Titane did that where Spoilers for Titane, and you can skip ahead, let's mm-hmm. say, 30 seconds, then I'll shut up about it. Um, but it's seconds. this sort of sociopathic character. Sociopathic, psychopathic, I don't really know the difference. But, yeah. um, you know, she just kills people somewhat randomly and then kind of goes on the run. And there's not really a good explanation for it. But you're right, it does explore that humanity, even for that person who, in any other movie, and I find this increasingly grating and boring mm-hmm. when there's a character who's just crazy and like yeah there's I, no explanation for their actions i'm so over it because i've seen movies go no like let's yeah let's see where this plays out even if it's still the villain and they end up you know dying in the end it's yeah. so much more interesting to explore like it's, this can be completely morally bankrupt and it almost has yeah. nothing to do with morality it's just that's still a human going through an experience how yeah, fascinating is exactly. it to actually finally turn a lens to that in the yeah. same objective way you'd turn it to any other I, character? Yeah, I think, like, it's funny that you say that, that she's kind of psychopathic, because I, I completely forgot. Like, I didn't forget that she killed somebody, but, like, mm-hmm. at, after that moment, I didn't even see her as a bad I just saw her as, like, a person 
yeah who with needed a lot somebody. of shit going on a lot of shit going on yeah and like yeah. you don't even really like and it's this exploration it. of gender and society and and like marriage and family like there's so French much happening there yeah. <laughs> yes thank you and um and yeah it, it's the kind of thing where if you approach it just as oh it's so fucked up and i think a lot of people just watch it for that which is fine but it, it's riveting right and even if you walk away not knowing exactly how to process it it achieved something where it kept you glued to the screen so even just a thrills and chills way mm-hmm. you you can't rip your eyes away and you're fascinated by what's happening and there's that sort of that that buzz of oh my gosh i don't know what's going to happen next because this movie has already proven it can do whatever the Anything. hell it wants yeah and i'm going to see things i've never seen before but yeah if it has that undercurrent and that intention and all the work that gets put in to explore something about humanity and stories it's actually and emotions. a really sweet movie i think yeah, that, that it, yeah it's it ends really up touching being... and heartwarming and like really ah, beautiful somebody had a very funny letterbox review that was to it's that effect like, it was like this is the most fucked up uh feel-good movie i've ever watched in my is, life or something like that it's totally a feel-good movie and um bringing things back around to zombie movies uh mm-hmm. if you haven't seen Titan or Titan or however the fuck you say it go watch that now <laughs> uh because it's incredible um but at the core of this movie i think it it has it like any good horror movie, unless it's just totally bonkers and dumb, uh, you need a little bit of humanity in there to like, like any movie, a good comedy, mm. like you, you you have to have an emotional core for it to be good. Which Danny Boyle really for crazy harped sake. on for this. Yeah. Like almost any interview you find from him about this movie, he's talking about intimacy and he's mm-hmm. talking about the emotions and getting close to the people. And it was yeah something that he looking through a lot of zombie movies, he said he found to be very lacking is that you didn't really care about the people you're spending time with, which is a problem. And I think one of the earliest zombie mm-hmm. movies that is really our modern conception is, uh, was it Dawn of the Dead? George Romero, black and white. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we got to watch that on the big screen in Santa Fe. Did we? And I remember. It was, yeah, and it was one of the first horror movies I sort of willingly went into with an open mind. Yeah. And I think that one does a really good job of it's about the humanity and it, yeah. you know, is one of the first examples of a modern zombie movie, but it's also a really good example of a movie where you give a shit about what's happening and it's not just sort of a murder fest, which yeah. is fun. Like it, I think there's that's movies. The thing. That's the best part that, is like, it, yeah. you can in Dawn of the Dead, like you can talk about like, race relations in America and you get to have a murder fest at the same time. So it's like, uh, it's just the perfect genre for me. Yeah, like, I know. It's it, like a it's, cinema it's feast fantastic. almost. It is, it is. It, and that's why Titan is so good because it's just like, it's, it, as shout out to Nathan Hollis called it, pure cinema. Like you get everything. Like you, you it's mm. this like beautiful, crazy fucking thing that you get every single bit of. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very exciting. That's why everyone should love horror movies even if they scare you. Yeah, and I think... 28 days later, I, I really do dig it and I dig what it's saying and I dig the ideas and especially how they made it and for how cheaply they made it. And, you know, back then Naomi Harris and Killian Murphy were relative unknowns. And now to go back and see them, you're like, yeah, of course, like these They're guys great. have got it and it's yeah. great. They're quite good. Um, 
quite good. And <laughs> I, I look forward to watching more horror movies. I think this does sort of confirm for me that I I don't love how post-apocalyptic movies make me feel sort of that genre yeah. of yeah, yeah. society breaking down. I just don't need it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's really good, I think I'll be very, very, I'll, I really have to be convinced to watch another movie that's like, society is in shambles and it looks like the world you live in. Like, yeah. sci-fi I'd is say... one thing, fantasy is one thing, but it's it just it puts me in a mood, man. I Like, I love, zombie movies are fun, but I'd say like, the be- the place where I think like good zombie storytelling exists now is in video games, and I guess with Resident Evil, it's sure. always kind of been yeah. there because it, you get to mix like a shooter. But like Last of Us and Last of Us Two are I haven't played Last of Us Two, but Last of Us is like a heartbreaking tale <laughs> mm-hmm. and like really a beautiful, beautiful story. And I think that like for me, like I'd rather play a zombie video game than a zombie watch a zombie movie. Personally, I agree. I mean, I I think. That is now that you bring it up. That is something I'd I'd be willing to explore. Is something more interactive, yeah. Um, where you're sort of surviving and you can kind of see how it works. And yeah. also shout out to I haven't seen the second one, but shout out to A Quiet Place for being another post-apocalyptic movie with yeah. a very hopeful, positive core to it. Where there's a family and there's like, God, I sound like I'm advocating for like these like super staunchly pure movies, but I'm like not it's fan, not. Yeah. It's just is that one. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of that one, but the first one, yeah, I, it I was like it was it. a sweet movie for as like scary as some moments were, and for as bleak as it sort of was in terms of like yeah, yeah. you know, this thing happened and everything went dark. Um, yeah. there still was like yeah, like a, a very sweet core to it, and they they took a lot of pains to make it this mm-hmm. really loving story about a family, and then coincidentally, there's also these like. Cool sound monster. sensitive alien things running yeah. around but um but yeah brad yeah it was i like the premise a lot the execution bummed me out a little bit but yeah it's pretty good it was just a little too like the premise was so cool and the way it was executed was like a little too hollywood for me and it was it pretty polished out. well just the way just the way that things were shot like there's that one moment where like that old man is like walking through the bushes or whatever and they see him and then like he like steps on a branch or whatever and then he gets like mauled by that guy or what no what what is that scene oh it's the it's the the scene where the guy starts screaming to like yeah to out those guys i i didn't like that they or to kill getting, himself yeah to get to kill himself yeah like the way that yeah. they shot that scene was very like oh we're gonna show all the gore when like it's probably more powerful to just like cut back away and like hear sure. everything, you know. But that's just my own personal tastes. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> frames and fools. Should we do? Do you have a favorite frame in this one? Yeah, I I've got a, a couple that I really liked. Um, I think the first one that really struck me was there's this shot that for some reason looks like it's from a '60s movie, like a Hitchcock. The Monet movie. painting. Oh no. <laughs> no, not that, although I forgot to mention how weird that is. Yeah. Um No, there's a shot where they're they're running through like uh uh they're going down these escalators, this bank of escalators into this massive like metro station. Mm-hmm. And it's just this beautiful wide and it, it looks like it's because of the weird T V thing and the lighting, mm-hmm. it looks like an old shot from an old movie. Huh, and I just really liked it. Yeah. I don't know. I like that. Yeah. that 
I'm picking the Monet painting because it was real <laughs> wild. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Yeah, there's, so there's a couple things that they do in this. So the shot you're talking about, just try to describe it as best you can. It's, so essentially what it, what it is is like it's a shot of I think them driving by car or something that's happening. And yeah. the the shot is just of like rows of like flower uh, patches, basically. It's like, yeah, it's right? like a flower farm or something. A flower farm, yeah. But the the uh, effect that they put on the camera, which is an effect I've seen in DV cameras before, it like it just makes something look like a Monet painting. It makes it look kind of like it's all a, swirly, a and swirly. Yeah. yeah. So when that popped up, I was there was a part of me that like it gave me intense nostalgia for the DV cam I had as a kid. Same. And it was also just like this is fucking weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right, Danny Boyle. Hell yeah. yeah. So I think you and I also both started making movies on DV camcorders yeah, back in the day. that was my first so camera, So yeah. I think that was an aspect of this movie I really liked was I was like, oh man, they did the damn thing because we were always trying to make DV look, look like not film. digital. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to, as best you could do to, to make it not look like what it was and this movie just leaned into it, which is kind of inspiring. Yeah, um, that's the part, that, visually, the, the part that I really appreciate this is it did... It leaned into it. It was experiment. It's experimenting with some of the earliest digital yeah. cameras. And now that like I've gone through, yeah, I remember as a kid, like, oh, DSLR is cool. They can look like film. And now I've like tapered off, and I'm like shooting stuff on like a high eight camera, and I just love it. And I, I'm just like, at, it truly doesn't matter what you're shooting on. Like you can just shoot yeah. on fucking anything, and and as long as it's good. Yeah. Which is annoying um, to hear. <laughs> there's that other shot um when early in the movie killian murphy goes back to his house which i'm kind of surprised that the like super rough and tumble post-apocalyptic like veterans were they like yeah we'll go to, to your that. yeah we'll yeah. go to your old house why not yeah but okay. there's that scene in the kitchen where he's in the kitchen it's at night and he's just sort of staring off into space sort of like lost in memories and then it cuts to what looks that, like a home video yeah that was cool during the day but yeah. then like it's over the shoulder of Killian Murphy at moments, and you're like, wait, what the what it's the hell is like? Is someone holding it? Yeah. yeah, but like, and it's 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 framed. It's you can yeah. see the edge of it in the middle of the frame. It's wild. And then yeah. he, the dad in the supposed home video, says something, and then Killian Murphy in the present responds, yeah. and you're like, oh my god, yeah, that's him remembering something. It's very yeah. very cool I, and I, very I, weird. And I, like I kind of like scene. being yeah. lost for a sec where you're like, what? Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I like that scene a lot because it, it definitely it makes you kind of engage with the film to mm-hmm. to put puzzle pieces together, which was is nice. And I found myself uh, drawn to that sort of stuff a lot more where you just kind of have to engage with something or else it's not yeah. going to be enjoyable. And the film's already asking you to open your mind a bit just with the fact that it's in such weird you know, DV grainy, low resolution quality mm-hmm. that it can get away with stuff like that. I think some movies, they have to sort of teach you how to watch them at the beginning so that you're not thrown by things in the important moments. Uh-huh. And it's kind of cool to see something sort of get away with that because they've already sort of broken that ground. Yeah. Yeah. You're ready for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, Fool, favorite character. Who do we got? Is it uh, Naked Killian Murphy twice? It's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> Just his butt. Just his yeah. butt. 
Yeah, dude, shout out to this movie um, and throwback to the very first uh, episode that we published of this podcast. But shout out to some some solid casual male nudity Good, but, in movies. Yeah, and Dick, Just his like, dick is in this also. Yeah, and not even in the shot where it's like, oh, isn't it shocking? We showed all of them. It's like in like two and a half shots, and it's there, and you're casually like, casually there. Yep, you're in. Yep, yep. You're just chilling in that hospital bed, Killian. It's refreshing. But, uh, it's refreshing. It's refreshing. Yeah, but yeah. yes, I think solid core cast. I'd never seen uh, Eccleston in anything. I'd never watched Doctor Who, oh, so yeah, he was. No, nope, that's the... a lie. He was in Thor: Dark World, but oh, he don't... was, wasn't he? <laughs> But he was covered in so much makeup that I, it the, doesn't feel like I watched him. Yeah, he was like one of the elves or whatever, right? Yeah. 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 But um, he's really good. He kind of just looks like Ray Fiennes, but like leaner. You know what I mean? He's good, man. I I wish I'd seen him in more things. I've only seen him in yeah, I guess Thor, which I don't. Everyone really hated that. I kind of liked it, but I saw it a long, long time ago, so I can't. Yeah, we watched it in that. It tiny theater in portland yeah 2014 was that did we we did go see that together didn't we yeah in that weird like arcade movie theater that place was sick yeah now wow i remember that wild stuff wild i Um, should rewatch that one maybe i'd like it just to spite marvel i didn't buy i don't know I, i remember being like oh this is fun i don't care i i would like to watch those early marvel movies again because um I'm just so checked out now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about that anymore. I rewatched the um, uh, Captain America the First Avenger, uh-huh. which was before Disney bought Marvel and whoo. It's wild. It, it feels like the spiritual successor to Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow cuz It's really weird. Basically all of it is digital but in this intentional stylized way. Oh, it's weird. Crazy, dude. Okay. It's yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, revisit those those pre Disney Marvel movies, man. I'm sure they're. I mean, the only one that I can think of that I I actually like is the first and third Iron Man. The third, third Iron, Iron Man, Man is slept on. Is quite good. People are stupid. <laughs> yeah, people I'm are sorry. dumb. Sorry, I'll say it. People are dumb. That's a great yeah. goofy movie. Yeah, that movie's incredible. Uh, well. Yeah, okay, I'm not going to... This is a whole other... I can't. <laughs> yeah, wait, yeah, we are way Sorry, off I the can't talk path. about this. Um, great cast, <laughs> Killian Murphy. He's just... He's so good. He's mm-hmm. like a cheat code. You put him in your movie, and he's just going to make it... He's just going to make it that much better. He's going to make it that much better. Cool. Okay. Uh, what are we going to watch whenever we do this again? What do you want to watch? I don't know. We, uh, we kind of did a left turn into spooky season because we were... We're in the oh. midst of a uh, movies that have changed the way we watch movies. Little, oh, that's little true. Run. That's where, but, uh, that is where we were. <laughs> but we watched it so long ago we that we forgot, that. and then we watched this instead. So I don't even remember uh, what the last movie we watched was. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two from oh, 2014. Good Lord. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we'll do another scary one. Maybe. You do yeah. another scary one. I I'd love. Yeah, I'd love for you to recommend something. Uh, be sort of my uh, horror sommelier and just give me something that uh, okay. you think would challenge my palate without, uh, you know, getting Honestly, me too, too freaked out. I'm going to be honest. I watched a movie last night called um, The Lair of the White Worm, which is yeah, kind of a did. joke. It freaked me out. I'm going to be totally honest. Did like, it? There are some visuals that really fucked with me because, like, there's some shots. They're basically these, like, snake people. 
they're kind of yeah. like vampires, so they like their faces get really big, and then they get these really big fangs and these snake eyes. I saw one picture, and I saw the cover, and it was kind of fucking like, freaky, man. And it's like it was kind of freaky. And there's these weird like dream sequences too that are all shot on like beta tape that are just fucking insane. So that actually kind of freaked me out a little bit. But oh yeah, we'll, we'll find something good. <laughs> we'll find something, not that. Not that one, yeah, not that one. We'll, we'll watch uh, one of his other ones, which is apparently pretty wild, but cool. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging around and uh, listening just, what, sp- sporadically. We appreciate <laughs> it a lot. I'd like to think that we're we're like the uh, the Frank Ocean or like the the reclusive artist of... <laughs> casual movie podcasts where you know we make things when we want to and it's like <laughs> I, I don't like know. it man i like not having a regular <laughs> i like regular feeling schedule. like uh yeah feeling like a hermit and then we, we come down from the hills to talk about movies when we feel like it because we're doing it for ourselves we're not doing it yeah. for you whoever yeah this is for this is, this for, is us. for us this is for us and we do it whenever we want this is about want. our journey yes it is it truly is well, that being said, thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for being and, here. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> we do really appreciate you. It's been it's been a delight. So have a great evening, night. Keep washing those ditches. Keep driving your car. And we'll be Enjoy back at some point. Enjoy spooky season. I hope you had a good Halloween. Yes. Enjoy Halloween. <laughs> oh, 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 oh.